This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Five. Check for sound. Four. It's showtime. Three. Let's two, go. One. Thanks to Rode Microphones and Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com, the home of the Portabooth Pro. This is the Pro Audio Suite podcast with Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post Chicago. Darren Robbo Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging Sydney. From LA, George the Tech Whitam, the Tech to the VO Stars, and me, Andrew Peters, voiceover talent and home studio guy. Now this week on the show we have a special guest known in Australia as Gomez in America MPA. It's Michael Pearson Adams from Waves. How are you going? G'day mate, how are you? Good. Now I do understand you were saying just before we started recording that uh, Andrew Sheps now refers to you as Gomez after you did a live <laughs> webinar to Australia. <laughs> it's, it's like one of the things that, that uh, I started doing uh, as part of my gig at Waves when the pandemic hit was taking, so we pulled all of the in-person masterclasses I do around the world. Those obviously stopped. So I started doing these weekly uh, online masterclasses with some of my friends like Andrew Sheps, Tony Maserati, etc. And we do them online, but they were always, at like six o'clock in the morning for you guys. So we did the Southern Hemisphere edition of the Waves Open Sessions, which was six, five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning for me. Um, Andrew Sheps is in the UK, so it was about 11 o'clock in the morning for him. But the, one of the first things that happens is somebody comes on the chat and goes, isn't that Gomez? And at that <laughs> point, it, it was off. So now... Uh, I, I find myself explaining to half of America who have never heard the term Gomez before in relation to me what the hell all that's about. Yeah, and of course yeah. when you're presenting to a room of newbies who have no understanding of any of that and they go, and now here to tell us all about waves, here's Gomez, gives you a lot of credibility. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But the problem is, I mean, I mean, this is one of the things, and, 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 and I get this because every time I come home, um, the first thing that happens is, you know, one of my mates in, in Brazil will say, Gomez, Goey. And, and, you know, Gomez was my nickname for so long that it actually gained nicknames. So Gomez turned into Gogo, turned into Goey, turned into, <laughs> you know, one guy at Southern Cross once called me Gizmo in a press release. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I had somebody at CFM once put me down as the, the new director of production for the network and his name is Gonzo. I mean, it's, it's like it just took on a life of its own. Yeah. It's funny, you know, you're an Aussie when you abbreviate a nickname. Yeah, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> we can actually do half a syllable. Nickname. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, to, to, to get to the uh, the nuts and bolts of it, though, we, we got you on here to tell us all about uh, the new version of Waves, Waves 12. Uh, one of the, the things 12. I see you guys spruiking is um, being the ability to resize the plugin on the screen. In V12, now every single plugin has uh, a little... Uh, twiggy kind of like thing that you click at the top that you can go 75%, 100%, all the way up to 200%. Um, so if you're uh, using a couple of different screens or multiple screens or, you know, even if you're just like me and blind, um, <laughs> uh, it, it does really help, especially when you're doing things like, you know, tuning vocals or uh, tweaking a 10-band EQ. 
um, you want it bigger, or um, and you know, or if you want to cram them all in, you can make them smaller. The can thing you, is, though, you once you actually make the uh, Avid, like 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 you know how there's like a certain amount of space allocated by the top of the plugin by Avid, like that's the limit of how small it gets in Pro Tools, at least. The good thing, well, the only thing I can tell you on that one is if you change the plugin size. So, for example, if you're working in multiple. DOWs. So, so for example, you start in uh, Ableton and then you're finishing in Pro Tools. If you stick, a, so for example, a Q10 and you stick it on 125% in one of them, it'll it'll open on 125% in the next one as well. Hmm. Um, okay. But if but if you go 75% again, it'll it'll open in 75%. So okay. it kind of it, it's it's uh, it's like a smell. It follows you around in good ways. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I, so, I love the the Doro meters, and I'm I know I'm not pronouncing it right. That's just the way I say it. Maybe I'm a dumb Aussie. Dumb Aussie. Doro Doro meters. Thank you. I've always I've always wondered how you really pronounced it. Um, I, I love them, um, and I use them in just about every session. They've always had the ability to resize, though. There's always been a small, a medium, and a large. So yeah, there has always. I mean, that was. I mean, I mean, I guess one of the things with the Doro meters was. It was a, a special lucky piece of code tweaking there, but it was specifically with very, very specific GUI. So it wasn't mm. something that could go on the fly. It was like, okay, so in this one, you can make this one bigger vertically or bigger wider yeah. uh, or really big, but there mm. wasn't something where you could go as extreme as this, as like small, really small, medium, big, really ridiculously large. And the other beautiful thing is you can make this default on every single plugin as well as well. So if you if you're totally blind, just make them all 200% and apply <laughs> them as default and it'll remember it. That'll do me. So I mean the the whole thing with V12 uh, or any waves version is we try and make sure that we are forward compatible with what's going on in the world whether it comes to uh, Windows 10 or Apple. Um, you know, some people go, oh, my God, we're never going to catch up. But whereas what, what we're really trying to do is make sure that we're flexible enough to keep for the people who have got computers who are two or three years old to the ones who are just trying to live on the cutting edge. So V12 is uh, going to be something that's going to be around for a while. I mean, if you take into account that V9 was around for a good few years in one version or another, mm. Um, uh, you'll see it's like th these version updates when we go dramatically like V11 to V12 there's a reason like this is resizing uh, preset browsing is a really big one uh, a lot of these graphics are retina ready and the future proofing for compatibility for a lot of these new DAWs and the new DAW uh, updates that are coming up um, that also helps as well. And then on top of that, we also, with one of these, this gets us the ability to do things like uh, add plugins that have been around for a while into new bundles. Like um, Platinum, for example, now has uh, Smack Attack, which is probably one of my favorite drum compressor plugins. And it has Submarine as well, which is just a brilliant it's kind of like the the new millennium edition of MacSpace uh, on steroids. It's brilliant. So, um, so yeah, it's 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 good stuff. What is interesting is that uh, I don't know how much effort you put into this. I assume a lot, uh, but I had an issue with Isotope making Steinberg WaveLab crash. It wasn't consistent. It was intermittent, but it would crash my DAW. So um, we have a ton of people working 
a ton of hours to try and make sure that compatibility is as high as it possibly can be. Now, it doesn't mean that we capture capture absolutely everything as it comes out, but 99.9% of the time we're on it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm staring at a computer right now and I'm in front of a camera and have lights right now, but you guys are doing this old-fashioned audio thing so you can't see, but I have <laughs> every DAW known to man on this computer because my title is Director of Training and Development. So it's my job to make sure that we train on all of the DAWs uh, and different live platforms as well. And, and things, uh, you know, it's like I try and make sure if I don't see something working that I give product uh, the product team a heads up. Even Audacity? <laughs> even yeah yeah uh, even even Adobe Audition wow. yeah. I saw a, yeah. uh, a, a a trainer video on YouTube the other night I was just googling around and um and, and it was someone doing a, a demonstration on how to create radio imaging on Audacity wow uh, somebody somebody uh Somebody mentioned uh, the the words "cool" and "edit" in the same sentence Ooh. to me last week, and it was like, "Oh Brings my god, nasty um, memories!" But yeah. but to give you an example of some of the random things, like I mean, I just spent the afternoon uh, editing a webinar that uh, we're putting out out as a, a video, and I did the whole thing in sunny Vegas. So and well, it's not sunny Vegas anymore, is it? It's, it's Magic Vegas or something uh, something like that. But I'm running multiple video channels and five different audio channels and a ton of plugins and a master fader and it's it's all working fine and dandy. Let me ask you this before I get off my like my uh you know controversial horse which is <laughs> generally more of a pain in the butt to deal with as an OS for developers Apple or Windows. It really depends not so much on the operating system anymore it depends on the application because when it comes to operating systems, if you look behind the curtains of them, there's there's so many similarities now between what happens and, and the way Windows 10 is glued together to the way uh, an Apple OS or a Linux OS even is glued together. But when it comes down to things like, you know, Pro Tools to Cubase to uh, Ableton, et cetera, even the audio routing uh, and patching behind the scenes changes. Like, for example... You know, Pro Tools is a perfect example. It's like if you put a, a plugin on the master fader of Pro Tools uh, and you move the fader up and down, your signal through that plugin is going to change, but that's not the same way that all DAWs work. So we have more time that we need to spend on compatibility with how the different workstations work to operating systems at the end of the day. So the updates that they push on Patch Tuesdays on the Windows side, are they less of a crapshoot? Then what comes from Apple, or is it really? They're both. They both throw you off kilter from some from time to time. They they both throw us off kilter. I mean, one of the things that you know we don't get a lot, um, a lot of in in the product development world when it comes to especially things like software is we don't get a heads up like months ahead of time from Apple or Windows on. Hey, heads up, we're releasing this and it might affect your software. Right. Um, when, when you guys get that email, we get that email. So right. when, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I am uh, an early adopter of technology, but at the same point in time, early adopters of technology when it comes to the audio world sometimes should probably, if I want to be a politician here, pull back and just go, you know what? 
maybe I shouldn't update that uh, software until I finish this recording session. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, imagine that. Just in case something doesn't work properly. Yeah. So it happens a lot. It happens in live and studio side of things. So I, I spend a lot of time telling people, hey, listen, it looks new, it looks shiny. Uh, if you're in the middle of a project, hold off until you're done. Uh, that yes. would be a very, very a gentle warning. I'm far more um, fatalistic <laughs> about it. But. Well, I mean, I still get text messages from people who, I mean, it's like, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but there's a guy who's got at least 20 Grammys who texted me at uh, 2 o'clock this morning going, I just updated to V12 and now my uh, DAW won't open and I can't see my plugins. And I'm like, why would you do that in the middle of a session? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it, it happens at both ends of the spectrum. It's just uh, sometimes we just get excited. And there are a lot of things in V12 that people are excited about. So, yeah, it's all good. One of those, uh, which moves us on nicely, one of those would be the presets um, stuff you mentioned. The preset browser. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me. Because I, I find that reasonably quick anyway. How, how has that got better? Well, th- there's a couple of different uh, sides to this. One of the things that we did was we added in what we are calling the preset browser, which means that rather than actually going through and selecting a preset and then it, uh, you know, you click the preset and then the drop down disappears and it goes back to the plugin. Rather than doing that, now you can flick between the presets and and the the preset list will stay up so you can literally flip between and really do a proper job of Aing and being between different presets and different yeah. tweaks. Now, when this comes in really handy, especially in radio and post-production, is when you've got a voiceover, for example, in the booth, and you've got two or three presets that you may have used for that specific talent before uh, on different projects, and you tweak. So, like, say, for example, when I work with a voiceover from Microsoft, this one guy I work with a lot, it's like I've got like five different presets for him depending on what kind of dialogue he's working on me with. And I now I can literally just kind of like arrow between them without actually leaving that list. And it makes it makes things a lot easier. Also, no dropouts either, which makes things nice. So it sort of gives you a preview? Is that what you're saying? So you, exactly. Yeah, um, cool. And then, you know, once once you're done with that, then you can click out of the list and you're, you're back to the plugin. Now, it's, one of the things one of the things that makes this really nice is it just keeps your creative flow flowing. Yeah, totally. Um, this is also another reason why I love Studio Rack, because with Studio Rack, you can do that. Plus, you can drag and drop the order of the plugins in your chain without any dropouts as mm. well. So... All these things are designed to try and stop people thinking about the technology and think more about creativity and just what they're doing in the audio world, basically. Can you automate the plugin, the uh, presets? Yeah, uh, you can automate everything. Like, like what I mean is this: say, say you put Pro Tools in right, and you're listening, and you're like, all right, and here, change preset, and boom, it changes every parameter in the whole plugin. Does all that? Does all that get written to the automation? Uh, of Pro Tools. Anything that is available in the automation window of any Waves plugin gets written in, yes. Right, now, so when you switch presets, it changes all the parameters and writes a pile of automation into the Pro Tools window. So you can kind of perform that preset change and because the presets 
happens smoothly. I guess my last question is if oh, you're I in a reverb plugin and you flip the reverb, does it cut the tail of the reverb when you change the preset or does it, because some synths used to have a parameter or a feature where you could be playing piano and hit your last chord, switch to organ, your piano is still rolling or ringing out and now you start playing organ. That would be cool. Yeah. It would, and and, and I, I'm not going to lie, I haven't tried it yet. So uh, Come on, Gomez, not, what kind but, of coach are you? Uh, I'm a I'm a shit one. Um, <laughs> one of one of the things I I will say is that this is one of the things that Studio Rack does really really well. Um, and for those of you who are out there who aren't aware, if you own any Waves plugins, Studio Rack is a plugin that you can download and install for free and authorize through your Wave Central account, um, and gives you the ability to save a chain of up to eight plugins in a row. Uh, and save it as a single preset. So in the radio world, especially, that becomes in super handy when you've got voiceovers or you've got uh, master bus effects on promos or commercials, and it's got an EQ and a compressor and a limiter and this and that and a delay and or a doubler if it's someone like you know uh, uh, our friend on here with the deep voice and three <laughs> testicles going <laughs> now. Um, but but with the but one of the things that happens is when you open up the automation lane of that, it's like what you'll see is a huge list of numbers because every single plugin we have, every single part of that plugin is automatable. So in Studio Rack, if you right click on any part of any Waves plugin, it will give you a number like P three two six. So now what you can do is you can make that part of a matrix where you can say, for example, have uh, the threshold of a C6 compressor uh, raising at the same time as the uh, input of a, uh, oh, an MB2. You, you can tie parameters together. And Absolutely. Wow, cool. Yeah. So and and, so, and and you can do it with a difference or a, or or some something like that. Like, you can uh, you can like, yeah you like can the, you can delay, you can reverse them if you want to. So as one goes up, another one goes down. Uh, you can also you can also control the range. So you could say, for example, okay, I as I move this matrix knob up and down, I don't want it to make any difference to the subharmonics unless I get to this hurts, uh, and then right. So you can wow. create plugins that literally do the whole thing for you, and that's part of why we want needed to go to V12. So all of this was a lot easier to do in things like Studio Rack. So something I do for my clients is I make custom effects chains for their voiceovers, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, I I do it on every platform. I try. <laughs> it's not easy on all of them. But I try. So what it I can do now. is make one of these yeah. and just say, okay, just install this plugin. And then here's your here's your preset file I've written for you. You have to have the following plugins. It's, yes. it's, it's only Waves plugins in, in plugin in, in Waves Rack. It's only am I am I right? Yeah, Studio Rack only works with SoundGrid compatible plugins. So now uh, at this point in time, obviously the only company that's making V12 SoundGrid compatible plugins is Waves. However, uh, Plugin Alliance has SoundGrid plugins. SoftTube has them, and another couple of companies have them. So it's a it's a it's a public API. So um, this is not something that's going to go away. It's been it's something that's been around for a long time, and it's going to keep on growing. If I could bundle like plugin preset packs that are programmed by George the Tech, that are like presets that people could buy, that would get them ninety nine percent of the way there. 
and I would just dial in their EQ for them or something, that'd be pretty sick. I mean, this is one of the things that a lot of people are doing already with things like the Gold Bundle. I mean, uh, when I first bought the Gold Bundle, when I started using it at uh, MCM, Osterio MCM in 1995, I think, um, it was $2,000. The Gold Bundle now is uh, over uh, over thirty five plugins, and it's it's like nine bucks a month. Um, and w- what a lot of uh, talent are using using it for over here is they're literally making it part of a subscription and saying, okay, so as part of my service to you and for you to make sure that that me to help you make you sound good, I'm going to pay for this subscription for you, which gives you these amount of plugins plus Studio Rack plus these presets. And it means that they're sounding better. You get a better sound from them. Everybody's happy and nobody's really paying a lot of money for it. So Mm. um, we might need to talk. uh, Great pitch, Gomez. Well done. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the, the whole concept of this is, I mean, we're the company who basically stopped charging through the roof for plugins. There was a point about four years ago where plugins dramatically went down in cost. And the reason was simple. It's like we got to a point in the world where industry budgets went down, iTunes came along, people weren't paying thousands for albums anymore, budgets for post-production, radio production, and everything else went down through the floor. Nobody had those budgets anymore, and we needed to make sure that creativity kept on going. And one of the ways we could do that is to make sure everything was more affordable. Now, one of the things that Adobe came along and did was, you know, with things like Photoshop and Lightroom and stuff like that, was create these subscription models. Um, That was a really good model. So it's one of the things that we've done as well with Silver Bundle, Gold Bundle, Platinum Bundle, Mercury Bundle. Um, So even if you're a a small post-production guy or a voiceover, um, you do have the money to be able to have enough plugins to you know, make a difference and make a powerful difference in how you sound um, without breaking the bank. I see Slate Digital have just done subscription too, 10 bucks a month for like five grand's worth of plugins or something. Well, Slate was always subscription. Oh, were they? But Wave yeah, still Slate, has, yeah, Slate, yeah, Slate's Slate, been doing that for a yeah. while as well. Right. So like, like Slate, Slate was amongst the ones that sort of broke the plugin barrier in terms of... Um, you know, it's like I, I I bought Gold Bundle when I was like fifteen hundred bucks and right. upgraded up yeah. to, but I've been you know using it since like I had a new bus Pro Tool system. Like, exactly, it was like yeah, same same <laughs> and, here. And, and and I can also say like you know certain plugins like the you know you back in the day it was like the L one like based a whole business off of that plugin probably for for years. <laughs> And I mean, this is this is also really one of the reasons why you know people go, oh my god, I wish I had the Mercury bundle, and I go, but do you really need it? Because I can pretty much put money on the fact that if you have even a gold bundle, which isn't seen as like the uh, you know a really large bundle anymore, I can guarantee I put money on it. The most people aren't using all of the plugins that they already own. Mm, um, right. It's like one of the things which I do a lot of is I do a ton of online masterclasses and a ton of. Uh, streaming videos on literally let's think outside the box and like I mean I'm doing one next week on let's mix a record from start to finish with three plugins and people are curious about it so I think we've got about two and a half thousand signups so far um, because people are like oh my god oh my god you can't do that this is I'm going to cross this over to my own personal life 
I do a mountain bike racing series called the Coaster Break Challenge. We ride trails that most people learn to ride on mountain bikes on a coaster break, a bike wow. made to ride on the beach. And right. we're insane and it's dangerous. But the point is, is that if you have the skill and the, and, and the ear and the, whatever it is, whatever the sport is, you show up with any piece of equipment and you're going to outdo the guy that has the $10,000 carbon fiber full suspension, blah, blah, blah machine who can't ride the damn thing. You yeah, know, absolutely. there's like a yeah, point yeah. of pride. There's like also people that ride fixie bikes in the city. <laughs> Why the hell would you ever ride one of those things? Well, it's a thing. It's because just a style. Can. And because you can. And it's like in, in the world of audio production, yeah, having every tool in the toolbox can be completely crippling. It, it, I, th I think a lot of the time, especially when it comes to the plug-in world now, um, the first console I was mixing on at 4BK, six of the channels worked. One of them had a Chinagraph pencil uh, circle next to it, and there was a rubber hammer so that when it dropped out, we hit that spot. We had speakers <laughs> that were sitting on top of bread crates, and right. uh, the room sounded like shit. Yet I still... Right. Uh, mixed a record in there that won three arias. So, you know, it, it's it's totally possible. Um, and the more tools you have, sometimes you're absolutely right, the more tools you have, it's a bit like the old analogy when you only had one CD to listen to, it was easy to decide what you were going to listen to. But when you had a wall of them, <laughs> you spent more time trying to decide what to listen to than listening. Totally. Yep. As long as, as, long as it's the not the analogy... When all you have a hammer is a hammer, everything's <laughs> a nail. I'll be honest, like, like, like I still run my Pro Tools 9 system with, I'm not sure like what version of Waves I'm still running, but it's like, you know, Waves I can tell you actually, because I... I'm staring at a I'm staring at a computer on my right hand side that's running OS nine point two. Yeah. Um, I'm running yeah. Pro Tools oh, four point five on it. Yeah, OS nine point two running Pro Tools four point five, <laughs> and I'm running Waves version five on that. And the wow. reason that's there is because um, I'm, I mixed a record for Guy Sebastian about. 15 years ago, and uh, uh, I had to pull it off. It's in there. Um, <laughs> and it was in there. It's like, so I had to pull up this. And when I started this machine, it was like the old-fashioned boom. boom. I mean, that's oh, like, yeah, I got the startup I mean, sound. Love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I loved OS 9 and all those early Me too. OSs. It was fast as hell. Yeah. And you could do whatever you wanted to. Uh, like, you know, you could take the system folder and put it in the trash and <laughs> it would just boot up. <laughs> mm -hmm. And no, it was. And, and I mean, like it's God of your own computer. Like, like, yeah. Uh, this computer also has uh, eMagic Logic Platinum on it, and it has opcode um, uh, OMS Studio for the MIDI. It was like, wow. oh my god, a time capsule. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a time capsule yeah. for you. I I still run a Mac seventy one hundred with Nuverb cards from Lexicon in it. Didn't that wasn't that the computer that had like eight card slots in the back of it? No, that was the Mac Two FX, which I did have one of those too. That was the Nubus one, and and, and the seventy one hundred is also Nubus. It's power. It was like the last Nubus. I don't feel yeah. so old anymore. Seventy one hundred, yeah. But yeah, no, that's no, like I, that's like OS seven for Mac. Wow, <laughs> wow, yeah. And OS nine point two is is is, uh, is the only one I, I can remember. But it's like uh, on on the plugin thing. Before we go on, before I do want to mention one thing. For, for anybody out there who uh, even has a small amount of plugins, um, that my main advice is always 
find one compressor and one EQ that you're really good at and you understand what they do and you can recreate the world with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, my favorite compressor has uh, three faders, MV2. It's a low-level, high-level dynamic compressor. It has low-level gain, high-level, and then it has gain. an output. That's I it. Love it's it. my favorite compressor. You, yeah, I go, I'm with you. I love it. Use it all the time. That and and yeah, I'll be honest. If I'm in a rush, I'll always grab the Renaissance stuff, the compressor and the EQ, especially. I, 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 like, uh, I like the uh, yeah. C4. That's the one I use. The, I Do use you? the C4 yeah, right. a lot. Yeah, the C4 like was good. I mean, and a compressor. It's like a de-esser. It's whatever you want it to be. You can yeah. even remove noise with it. You can yeah. start expanding. Right. Yeah, that's a Desert just, Island plugin. Didn't we talk? Didn't really we have a is. show about Desert we Island? Did. I, I love <laughs> yeah. that thing. I mean, honestly, like that is half the reason why I never bought an HDX system. Because waves didn't do I'm DSP. Not really. Well, I mean, and and there's a reason for that. I mean, we can go into that if anybody. I know that. Yeah. It's isn't it amazing though? If you, I mean, people still we people still talk about you know why didn't waves do HTX? That's nearly ten years ago. And the simple reason we didn't go HTX is because it was too hard. It's, it's like it would have yeah. it would have taken it would have put us out of business. It would have taken us that long that it would have put put us well, out of business. Going, it just wasn't going business all the way worthy. back to the audio media card. Avid was working. I still with, have one of those in the Mac the, I'm staring uh, at with OS yeah. 9.2. I have an Audio Media 3 card. And all the way back to that time, it was all my, uh, Motorola chips. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and when I was actually at Avid the year that Avid, I was, I was one of the senior product specialists on the HD side when Avid uh, went from uh, Pro Tools 10 TDM to HDX. It was the one year I left Waves and uh, went to the dark side, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the, everybody was like, "Why aren't my plugins working anymore?" It's simple. It's like Artaz plugins and TDM plugins were both connected to the Motorola chips, whereas the new computers, which couldn't use Motorola chips, were using FPGA chips. Which is why there was a new plugin format, AAX, and uh, Audio Suite was still there, but there was no Artaz anymore because. They were all connected to the old the old chips. So yeah. But it's funny, it's uh, like that move in a way, kind of like that and some other stuff opened the door for like UA to really kind of get in Avid's territory. You know, it's like no one else had a like, you know, you guys came out with the DigiGrid and that was like, you know, hardware assisted uh, plugins, and then UA's got their hardware assisted plugins. And Avid in doing that and changing everything so radically kind of I think let water into the breach. <laughs> that mm. they I think. Had, I think. Um, but credit, credit where credit's due. One of the things that that DigiDesign Dash Avid did was they created the first ever console that really used plugins and opened the plugin world up for the live and broadcast side. That changed the world on the live side. Um, you mentioned DigiGrid. Um, the format is actually called SoundGrid. Um, SoundGrid. Audio I'm Reaper. sorry. I apologize. Yeah. No, you're fine. DigiGrid is the a name of uh, a company that makes SoundGrid audio interfaces, which is uh, was launched by Waves and Digico. Um, but SoundGrid is actually now an industry standard for live sound and broadcast when it comes to audio over Ethernet and uh, mm-hmm. DSP. Um, but yeah, it's like UA did get a big hand in when the TDM cards went away. Absolutely, they did. Yeah, and then and then you were earlier talking about um, like matching things with with plugins. I um, <laughs> this is actually a funny story because I have 
refused to bite into the UA thing. And everyone's like, oh, they sound so amazing. And da, da, da. And I've just always mixed everything I do with waves. And one day I my drive crashed. I had to use a UA system that was in the studio and I'd do a session. And I kind of thought like when I was doing it, I was like, all right, I'm gonna use all the same plugins. And then I screenshotted some things and I brought it. But they it don't over. sound the same. They don't sound the same at all. And you know, it takes time to chase a mix. And I did get it finally with the Waves plugins. It took me anytime you're chasing a mix, it takes longer. But I finally got it where I could just A B between the you know, the mix I got the other day on in the UA stuff and then the new mix I had with with the Waves plugins and got it transparent. But it was chasing it. And it was not even close to the same settings in the yeah, and there's a couple of different reasons. I mean, one of the things that's the downside of the UA stuff is the fact that there are no native versions. So if you mm-hmm. leave the hardware, that's it, you're on your own. Totally. Um, but the other thing is, which is it's actually a simpler explanation than a lot of people expect, is, you know, one Pultec doesn't sound the same as every other Pultec. I mean, JJP, Jack Joseph Puig's Pultec and Fairchild, which we actually took out of his studio and took to Israel and uh, modeled and coded, they sound totally different to a Fairchild that UA might have used or Slate might have used or uh, SoftTube might have used. It's like the the concept is the same. The knobs all have the same names on them, but the the character of all those different pieces of vintage gear is vastly different. Like, you know, with the CLA-2A and the CLA-3A, those were pieces of gear that Chris bought from um, a dealer over here, Vintage King, and they had restored them perfectly. So they sound completely different to a lot of people. I mean, there are a lot of people saying, I have, an L- I have a 2A compressor and it doesn't sound anything like the plug-in. It's like, yeah, but the concept is the same. But not all of those hardware pieces sounded the same. They just don't. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think when you go through a mix with a lot of... Lot of- like, because they, you know, they should be in the same area. You should roughly get a similar amount of compression with a similar setting. But the cascading effect of all that on a whole mix, and you'd be surprised how different things sound in, in the whole thing. You know? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like I remember I did a, a masterclass once. It's uh, it's literally like twelve years ago now. We did a a whole masterclass. It's probably still somewhere on the website where we compared a mix done on an SSL four thousand of a U two song. And then we challenged somebody to do exactly the same mix with the plugins. And they were like, oh, it'll be exactly the same settings. And we were like, no, it won't. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting comparison because, you know, even when, you know, the SSL collection is based on the SSL 4000 GE series consoles, and we modeled one of the original two of those consoles um, in the UK. And we had to go back and prove it once because when Peter Gabriel bought the company, he was like, why do these guys have this modeling? So we had to go back and prove how close we were. But somebody else who owns a 4000G or a 4000E, apart from the fact that they have a huge electricity bill, depending on the history of the console and how well it's been serviced and how often the channel strips are being pulled out and cleaned and et cetera, et cetera, the, the character of the SSL will be there, but the sound could be completely different. Well, that's the same story with um, the guys in Austrian Audio when they were modelling the C12 um, for their new microphone and they right. got microphones shipped in from everywhere. Um, from big name Stevie Wonder's microphone C12, Quincy Jones C12 turned up. And the interesting thing was, as uh, the guys from Austrian were telling us, 
is that Quincy Jones C12 was actually broken. Yes. And he didn't, wow. he didn't realize <laughs> yeah, he'd just been right. using it. And, uh, but it was literally broken. Wow. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, sometimes broken is a good thing. It's sometimes broken gives you exactly what you need. Yeah. Look at me. That's right. Look at all of us. <laughs> hey, I, I'm going to take you back on the subscription thing for a second and tell me if you can't answer this because no I'm sure sales isn't your bag. Um, a couple of years ago, you guys ran a rent-to-own deal where you could pick 10 plugins and I think you got two free ones and then you rented for two years and you owned them. I know you still run a rent-to-own deal, um, but right. when I was looking at it the other day, you've got to have one of the bundles and then you get to pick a couple of extras. The, the reason I'm asking is because over, I, I, I've started out the same as you guys with a gold bundle, but I've never upgraded to another bundle, but I've added plugins over the years. So I look at, say, a platinum bundle and go, hey, I'd, you know, I, but I really want to rent to own something else. You know what I mean? Like upgrading to platinum is counterintuitive because I already own half the plugins that are on there. But 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 when I upgraded, like they they gave me a special price on upgrading because I because I had the same thing. I had bought ah. like a few plugins separately, and so they're like, "Well, here's the price for you to upgrade to Mercury because you've got gold and you've got I forget what else I had. I had like SSL maybe. Yeah, see, I got a shitload of other ones I've bought separately. That's right. Yeah. So there's actually they, two different answers to that question. On that, let let's first deal with the Waves Flex thing. We did continue discontinue Flex. Um, is that the, what I'm talking about? No, that's what I'm talking about. You're okay. talking, yeah. It's what Robbo's talking about. Um, Waves Flex. We did discontinue that because it really wasn't as popular as you might have thought it was. Wow. Um, however, if you do still have a Waves Flex plan, your plan will continue until you own the plugins at the end of the 24 months. Um, now, uh, as far as the other things, yes, we do have, I mean, we're waves. We always have specials. Um, and, and coming up to- You do? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Tell me. It's, it's like, please. It's crazy, I know. Um, <laughs> but now what, what you were also talking about was upgrades. So one of the things, Robbo, that we do is when, when we look in your waves account, we take into account every single plugin um, and we will say, okay, right, so you might have the gold bundle, but you've also bought this, 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 and this. So if you want to go to this bundle, these are the plugins that you own that we can take into account that go towards that ah, so that you don't have okay. to pay for it again. There you go. The other thing is the Waves Update plan just went down in price again. Um, and, you know, there's still a lot mine. of... <laughs> right, well, I mean, the thing about the Waves Update plan is, you know, people still come to me, you know, after 15 years here, people still come to me and say, you know, uh, I don't want to pay for the Waves Update plan. And I go, well, if your plugins are still working and everything's fine, yeah, yeah, it is, well, then fine, don't. Don't pay for it until you need it or if there's something in it that you want. If everything is not broken, if everything's working, then, you know, keep on going your merry way. It's like we're not taking plugins away from people. Yeah, I'm still on Pro Tools 11, so I haven't kept my update plan going, to be honest with you, because everything's hunky-dory. Uh, and, and honestly, you know, the thing is, Robbo, you don't need to because right now you updating doesn't really give you any advantage. You're no. still on Pro Tools 11. <laughs> the version you've got with Wave still works fine. Stay where you are. <laughs> now, when you upgrade your computer and update your versions to Pro Tools, to Pro Tools Ultimate Awesome Fantastic or whatever it is going to be, then you're going to need to go to V12 Waves, at which point you might need the Waves Update Plan. Mm, true. And the Waves Update Plan, if you have a 
a gap in it. Do you, do you have to backfill the gap, or do you guys just sort of like kindly let you pick up? Like, hey, I didn't need you guys for three years, and now I want to update. Is there like a? We really couldn't care less. It's like I mean, there was a point um, up until I think it was about ten years ago we stopped doing that. There was a point where you know the web's update plan would increase um, the longer you left it out of date. Right now, we really couldn't. We really couldn't give a toss. As far as I'm concerned, is an Australian term for you. Um, <laughs> the official line from Waves. We really couldn't give a toss if your Waves update plan. <laughs> out of date uh, for a couple of years and then you come back. We're not going to punish you, basically. Nice. Beautiful. Like, honestly, even for me, it comes down to things like Isotope where, you know, like Isotope's been ruling the roost with noise reduction recently. And in Mercury, you've got Z noise. And I can't tell you how many times I'll say to my, my studio partners, like, we should get Isotope or something. And then a job comes in and it's a noise reduction thing and I'll do it with X noise or Z noise. And um, What about WNS? Have you tried WNS? Because WNS and NS1 are my two yeah, favorite ones. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the single-ended stuff as much and I, I like grabbing the noise print and kind of, but I, I, I'll use WNS if I'm in session with people and they're just like, you know, you just need to do something fast. Um, that's It's handy there, but it, it I, I seem to be able to get better more fine-tuned results with something like X noise or Z noise. I mean, you, you've got to remember though, as well, how how you know how uh, vintage those two plugins are and how powerful they still are. Oh, absolutely. Um, I never have like a client who's like, "Oh my gosh, like you couldn't do that. Like, why don't you have Isotope?" It's like some of my studio partners are like, "See, you did it again. We don't need to get Isotope." I mean, <laughs> I'm like, Damn it. simple. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a huge believer in. Um, the best edit is the one that you never heard. So uh, if somebody can hear a plugin being used, then it's a terrible plugin. Um, so either that or somebody's not applying it properly. Um, well, with noise reduction, it's usually the the mistake is trying to squeeze too, too much, much noise out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can bit cr- you can bit crunch yourself. I yeah. mean, that's one of the that's also one of the reasons why I like noise. I mean, especially when I'm dealing with a live noise. That's why I like NS1 and WNS, which is a noise suppressor, which is kind of like more like a cedar box. Because um, I can take specific frequencies and go, okay, right, I want those ones, and I want you to learn the consistency of that annoying noise and get rid of it. Um, and Dan, the latency is low enough that so you can run it on the input it, chain? Absolutely. I, I did... Uh, WNS, it's like I did an outside broadcast. Uh, it's like about, a cedar. It was the intro to wasn't the Grammys. It was the God. It was one of the many ones that Ryan Seacrest Ryan Seacrest hosts everything these days. Um, but either way, one of the biggest problems I, I was I was mixing the hosts, and there were two plugins that I had on the mix. One of them was Dan Dugan Auto Mixer, so that uh, I could have multiple microphones open at the same time and nobody was getting feedback. And the other one was WNS because behind Ryan's microphone, we had the sound of LA and the sound of LA is a really shit rumbly sound and you've got to get rid of it. But the it's it's virtually zero latency. And I literally went, put it on the mic, said, Ryan, stop talking for a second. He stopped talking. I grabbed the noise. I pressed learn, rumble gone. Ryan sounds fine. We were talking about the C4, and before WNS came out, I would use a C4 as an expander for noise reduction. For that, it's, like, it's, it's a great use for that. I mean, that's, it's, I mean, it's almost a similar thing. It's a multi-band expander. You know, it has the ability to to learn the curve and see where it's at. But um, it's it's interesting. I, I find that I can get more noise transparently 
tweaking around with Z noise and but if you want like super fast and probably like 80% results WNS just kind of gets you there to sort of pull the faders on each one until you yeah and yeah. NS1 NS1 is NS1's one like of a my... one fader version of that right NS1 well NS1 is noise reducer WNS is definitely a noise suppressor it's like but NS1 has that that one fader where it will literally look for the consistent noise and it'll just take it out and it's uh, virtually again, I got to be that guy. Latency. I got to have you explain WNS. I'm sorry. What a noise reducer versus a noise suppressor. A noise so suppressor. Uh, so the re- the reduction is you're literally kind of like pulling things out of uh, out of your mix. So uh, it's you and therefore it's usually not going to be as low latency. Except NS1 is voodoo magic. And it's one fader. It looks for the consistent noise in whichever signal you're putting through, and it'll take it out. Um, so is, now, is NS1 more like Z noise, but more automatic, or is it like a expander? In a way, in a way, yes. Because I mean, one of the things you've got to remember is it's like um, the three plugins that you've mentioned most in the last hour are three plugins that are literally between fifteen and twenty years old: Z noise, X noise, yeah, and the C4. <laughs> so. Uh, WNS is, I think now, uh, Jesus, I think I think that's about five years old. NS1 is about four years old. But this is all technology that we've gained over the years, where we've just got better at doing things, um, and and better a lot of the time doesn't mean that the quality is better. It means that we're faster at it. So. Um, whereas uh. Xenoise has like a million milliseconds of latency, but it's actually quite, pa- it's a really powerful plugin. NS1, you throw the fader up and it's done. Um, WNS is pretty much the same. It's, uh, and WNS is is looking at the frequencies and then uh, kind of re-queuing and suppressing those frequencies while it's more of a linear thing than a suppress- uh, than a reduction thing. So WNS, the way I think of it at least, is a multiband expander for the like in crude terms. I know it's fancier than that. Um, whereas Z noise is to me, it's getting a like a an FFT sort of trans transform of of the noise, and then it's actively trying to take that out with at a certain threshold. Um, it's looking for that very very precise pattern, not in broadband kind of chunks like. WNS does, but and I'm trying to figure out where where the where the one fader deal fits in there that I never use. Is that one more like WNS? Uh, is that one more like an expander or more like take the FFT fingerprint of the noise and try to like? It's it's going to take the fingerprint of the consistent NS1 is going to take the fingerprint of the consistent noise and reduce it. One of the things that you can do with that, the same as you can do with X noise and Z noise, is you can go too far. And suddenly, feel like you're bit crunching your audio. Yeah, um, yeah, like like you're underwater with a sock in your mouth. Like right. Like Whereas with WNS, like if you go too far, <laughs> it'll sound like you're EQing yourself out, but it's not going to yes. bit crunch you. I agree. So, like WNS is way more smooth, but the other one, if you tweak on it and sit with it, you can get another 25 percent more noise reduction out of it and kind of get right. closer to that line. And the difference is that WNS is a dynamic frequency range selection for broad or per band noise suppression, whereas uh, the other ones, X, Z, and S1, are taking consistency in different frequencies and pulling them out. So that there's a difference in how they work. They can all they can all kick the ball into the goal. They're just going to do it in a different way. They're going to do it and smoother depending on and and it's again it's it's like you know 
you, you've really got to choose the the one that's best for what you actually want to do at the time. So what I what I found sometimes, especially um, like doing expand a multi band expander, knocking out some obvious stuff that was easy, and then and then hitting the result with or with Z noise, I was I was able to sometimes to get like smoother results. Um, Have you ever tried the F6 or the C6, for example? I love the C6. It's a little bit too heavy, but I, I love using the sidechain. The fact that you can sidechain a multiband compressor is right. sweet. And you can, I, I mean, I've, I've created like automatic mixers where you just have the voice. And instead of knocking down the music, which most people will do, I'll use the C6 and just take out like a 4K little scoop out of the music when the voiceover comes in and it just sits into the music but it doesn't sound like we just dumped the music volume so much. Right. So one of the things that we added to the C4 with the C6 was a floating band, and it was a floating band that made the C6 really, really popular with the broadcast world and the live world specifically. Um, and that was what led us to make the F6, which is literally six floating bands. Um the, okay, so, so that's the, like really like a dynamic EQ at that point. Then. It is. It's a dynamic yeah. EQ with six floating, fully adjustable parametric filter bands. Sure. Um, and it's it's amazing the amount of tweaking you can do with a plugin like that. I mean, I still use the C4 a lot. With with the C4, if you move one band, it adjusts the band next to it. So you always have like a zero sum. But with the F6, right. you could pile all six bands into one place and try yes, to sir. expand one and compress the other, and then. Yeah, the frustration. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the, I mean, one of the beautiful things about the F6 for me is it gives me the ability to, especially when you add in all those floating bands with, uh, say, for example, the the side chain. It, and it doesn't matter whether I'm doing a music mix for an artist or whether I'm doing something in post production. Uh, even down to you know, say for example, uh, a voiceover, a music bed, and the master fader. It gives you the ability to really carve a space for the vocal mm-hmm. in the music, so that rather than just pulling the music bed up or down, or the or pushing the vocal higher, you just find the frequency the the, the vocal yeah. is using and create a little pocket for it in the music bed and just sidechain it, and you, yeah. your mix is done. I I I do that with like like industrials a lot. I'll I'll do that when I have a mix, especially sometimes where. You you don't have time to to necessarily do a really thoughtful mix, but you you know when the voiceover comes in, you want to drop the music level of the music. But I've found that like just dropping the music level wholesale is not as good as maybe carving out a little spot in the voice frequency, and then combining that possibly with dropping the music level a tiny bit too, and it, then it's not as harsh of a drop, and you and you get a tighter mix. I know it's not, not a Waves plugin, but I've actually just bought one. Uh, that does exactly that. Uh, it's called Track Spacer, and it's amazing. I'm googling it. I'm googling so you basically it you on. basically side chain your vocals or whatever it is that you want to do what you're speaking of, uh, and it right. basically looks at the frequency of that and just ducks everything. But it's also got a, um, a high pass and a low pass, so you can sort of zoom in on exactly what frequency range you want it to look at. To, to cut. Isn't it funny for, how they name it? It's like, well, why would they call it a low cut and a high cut? Why wouldn't they just call it a high pass and a low pass? Oh, it's probably high. But I, they probably do. I'm, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. No, I'm okay. staring. I'm staring at the Google. I'm staring oh, at go. the plugin right yeah. now. It is. It, I, I've had it for about six weeks and it's on everything I do now. It's, I, I basically, for, for my radio imaging, I sidechain, obviously, the, anything that's voice 
to it. And then I have a bus that the sort of the bass mix goes through. And so I put the track spacer on there and it just carves out a notch and you can, you can tell it how hard or how little you want it to work. And it just carves out a notch for your voice to sit in and it's perfect. It's brilliant. Robbo, Robbo, come back to the wave side. You can do it. Come back to the waves. <laughs> well, if waves come up with one, we I'll... did. It's called the F. It's called the F six or the C six as well. The, so. I used to use the F six. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I did. But um, when this little thing popped its head up, I just went, "Thank you very much." This is actually probably a really good time to mention this. Is one of the things that comes up a lot when I'm dealing with like uh, an Andrew Sheps or a Chris Lord Algae or someone, and we're going to do a masterclass online or in person. Um, uh, I say, send me the session or press play on the session so I can have a listen to it. And they go, there's a bunch of plugins in here that aren't waves. And I go, I really don't care because the real world scenario is not all waves or all UA or all somebody else. The real world scenario is we make tools that people use. I'm never going to try and depict a world where somebody always uses waves because that's bull. But he's not going to send you a present for Christmas now. <laughs> That's all right. I'll still buy him a beer next time he's home. It's all right. <laughs> it's not a real world scenario that somebody would usually use only our plugins. They're going to use what's good for the job. So um, I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. I can I'm, sleep I'm, at night. I'm your poster child. I, I think I use <laughs> pretty much. I use Avid plugins. I, I mean, there's a few, but like all the heavy lifting, it's like I find it so complete that like don't have to get other stuff. And no, that's and I appreciate that. I mean, we we make a lot of plugins, um, but you know, there you know, you just pointed it out. It's like you know, uh, Avid has their own plugins. Cubase has their own plugin. Logic has their own plugins. Um, you know, Reaper has a bunch of plugins and uh, uh, there's so many other companies out there who make plugins and, you know, we help a lot of those plugin companies now in coding because they move their plugins onto the SoundGrid platform for live sound because it helps them uh, get into the live world. So we actually help a lot of these plugin companies like Plugin Alliance code their plugins so that they can, you know, be out there more. So I'm all for it. Here's a here's a bizarre question, but but sound SoundGrid is is used a lot in live sound, but is it also used in like like uh, broadcast? I think you mentioned absolutely. Uh, yeah. People, you know, companies like ESPN uh, and other broadcast companies use SoundGrid a lot. Um, it, it, you know, anything that's anything you know like uh, DTS uh, surround or. Um, any house of worship, for example, the uh, house of worship use uh, wave sound read a lot. Little things like being able to use an Ethernet cable to, uh, yeah, it's 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 like it's like Dante, but it, it's it's um is, is it layer two or is it layer three? We're layer two. Dante is layer three. Layer three. And, okay, and so it's a little bit lower latency than Dante, then, isn't it? It's less than a millisecond of latency. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. One, of the, one of the things that we can do is we can go, okay, right, so you've got a live console or you've got a broadcast console. You can share that I.O., whether it's MADI or SoundGrid or through a Dante bridge into SoundGrid, you can split that I.O. and you can share it between one console and then send it out to you know, your Pro Tools rig in the studio or in the truck. Or what is it, 64 channel or 32 channel? 128, 128 mono or 64 stereo. 
Um, you can have up to eight plugins on every single channel. Uh, you can send, uh, you know, 128 channels of, of audio from one place to another with plugin processing in less than a millisecond or send it to three places in less than a millisecond. Um, so, so who and- are the, who are the digi grid or, or, or the, the, the developers or plugin developers who sit within the mixing environment, right? And then are there, also, developers that sit outside making hardware, like, yeah, well, like interfaces. So, yeah, so here technologies uh, uh, who make um, on-stage monitoring and in-ear mm-hmm. monitoring. They they make a, a Dante bridge to SoundGrid, which is sixty-four channels of SoundGrid to Dante or Dante to SoundGrid okay. um, in less than a millisecond. The Apogee makes uh, SoundGrid Symphony. Um, every single digital console manufacturer now has a SoundGrid card option that they make from Yamaha to uh, Lavo, etc. cetera. Um, Burl Audio makes SoundGrid IOs. I mean, the SoundGrid is an industry standard. So, um, and uh, I, I'm not sure about Australia because it's been so long since I've been home, but House of Worship over here is a really, really huge high money business. Um with large consoles and large budgets and a high quality demand of sound. And SoundGrid is literally one of the the, the must-haves. So I'm going to take you back just quickly because I haven't spoken to you since this happened um, and I haven't upgraded to check it out, to be honest with you. But the Renaissance stuff had a new facelift a, a couple of yeah, years, we a did year the, or so back. We, Was there any changes under the hood or is that just a, a merely a, no, a cosmetic thing? No, there's no reason that we would want Don't to change mess with anything. That. Yeah, no, that was yeah, my question. Never mess with, <laughs> that was what I was asking. You never mess with the good thing. Yeah. Um, we, we changed, we, we did a 25th anniversary uh, GUI update on the Renaissance plugins in the Q series and the L series. Um, we gave people the option to use the originals or the new GUI because it's amazing how many... It's nearly like Porsche 911 owners or sports car owners. <laughs> it's like you change something and they lose their shit. Yeah. Um, it's it's like there's so many people uh, who are going, no, I don't want to look at the new GUI. It's like then you don't have to. I Go do to like an air-cooled GUI. GUI. Doesn't everybody. Um, <laughs> it, it's... Uh, but but I mean the the one of my favorite new GUIs has to be the newer GUI for the Q series because it makes them easier to deal with when I'm dealing with uh, a, a really really complicated uh, EQ and adjusting the real Q in the Q series. The new GUI uh, is a lot easier to look at than than the old one I find. And you're not talking about Q clone. You're talking about something else. Something else. Now, no, I'm right? talking. Uh, I'm talking about the Q. The the Q one, Q two, the Q. Oh, oh, the original. Man, the like original. Going all the way back to like 1995. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Further than that, the Q10 was uh, the first 92. plug we released. It was like 1992. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember it, using it in Sound Designer too. But it's like, still <laughs> the most used parametric EQ today. It's still the it's still the industry standard, and it's the one that I always go to. Um, it, it's funny you talk about Q clone because uh, I did a masterclass with Tony Maserati about six months ago, and it was one of the plugins that he said, "I really want to talk about this because nobody does." Let's talk about Q clone. I was going to say um, that's probably one of the most under thought of plugins. Like, yeah. Like I think I think a lot of that has it. to do with the fact that it it, it the, that plugin is from an era where 
computers couldn't deal with quite as much processing as they can now. So, you know, it comes from, and also there was a lot more hardware involved back in those days where you might have, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I was working on a record with uh, Scott Stapp from Creed about 10 years ago, and I used a ton of Q-Clone because he only had three, I know it sounds funny, he only had three real Fairchilds. Um, <laughs> how dare he? Um, and I want, and I wanted to use it on 15 different tracks, so I used Q-Clone. Excuse, um, uh, like, Q-Clone can c- do convolution with dynamics? I thought it was only sorry, for EQ. Sorry, Pultex. Okay, all right, Pultex. thank you. I was like, whoa, like... <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Although a dynamic Q clone would be pretty badass. Yeah, it would, but there'd, there'd be like three people in the world who would use it, and you and me would be two of them. Um, <laughs> it's, Not very probable. I mean, in, in this day and age, when you've got plugins like Shep's Omni Channel and CLA Mix Hub and the Abbey Road Mastering Chain, which is modeled on the, the TG Mastering uh, console in, in London. Um, that can do so much and have the ability to move your compressor and your EQ and your pre and your out and move it around in the chain and add plugins in the chain. Uh, the, the need for a plugin like Qclone doesn't really have the same kind of demand anymore. I don't know. I, I, I think, George, you could just basically go load a bunch of plugins up on someone, some user's thing, get the whole perfect preset, Qclone it, and that's the only plugin they need. And they, and they could have like, like the whole stack of whatever. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I'm scheming. True. It's like absolutely. Can't you hear the noise? That grinding <laughs> gears tick, tick, ticking tick, over. Tick, tick, yeah. tick, tick. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, because what makes my job to make these plugins for people program them is so so hard and and kind of limits my tool set is because I have to support what they have. Yeah. Um, I can't at this point really expect them to go out and buy a big plug-in bundle that's really expensive, especially if they're using Audacity. But with and Q-Clone, I, you could. That's right. right. You could. Right. Yeah, at least with the EQs. Right. And they only have to buy Q-Clone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's... there's I, it's kind of cool. There, there, it wouldn't be far-fetched to eventually say, you know, in order to get a George the Tech chain, you need to first buy something. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't do that, you know? Uh, well, I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at earlier on when I said, you know, the gold bundle is like 10 bucks a month. I mean, this right. is not something that's not in the realm of possibility, and it's certainly right. not out of everybody's reach. Mm. Um, it's, but, it's a, but, but, but then you could be like, hey, I have a Fairchild, or not a Fairchild, sorry, a Pultec, and I have a Santet EQ, mm-hmm. and... Uh, <laughs> like right, you, like right, yeah. For, for, for those Don LaFontaine's yeah. actual compressor, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that could be that could get really interesting. Yeah, no, it's uh, man. I've been doing this a long time, and I've been trying to find ways to make it more elegant, more user friendly, and certainly more efficient for me. Mm. And you know, I'm doing it on Twisted Wave, Audacity, Audition, just, uh, SoundForge. You know, all these Pro Tools and et cetera, and Re- Reaper, and I'm trying to make it, you know, a, a streamlined process. And uh, it would be pretty pretty remarkable to use the same amazing tool set each time. Go message your man. Imagine if you had, uh, imagine if you had a George the Tech GUI and uh, you just did all the work at the back end. Okay. All right, stop. Now you're just blowing up my ego. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. I'm imagining that. Yeah. <laughs> but this is kind of like where we are in plugin technology these days is the ability to kind of like save a chain and say, okay, so, you know, call it George 1. And inside it, it has like a, a, a Q10 and it has a Renaissance compressor 
and it might have uh, you know a bit of a C four on one WNS. specific. Uh, uh, well, it's like a C4 or even an S1 imager or something, and have it come up as one preset. Um, uh, yeah, and then and then as you said in the in the raise, waves rack, like map a few key parameters to it and say, don't touch any of that. Here's the four knobs that you can touch. This one, if you want to make it brighter. This one, if you want to make it yeah. Most darker. of the knobs are grayed out, or they're yeah. like they're sort of like have a, an opacity layer that make them sort of mysterious, but behind a misty fog, they can't really see what they are, but they know they're there and they're doing some cool stuff, but they can't figure out quite what it is. Like that plastic thing over the engine in every new freaking car. I have a feature <laughs> request. I have a feature oh request God. for the Waves rack. Go for you it. know how every rack in the back of a church has a big gate over it with a padlock and you can't get to the EQ and it's all set and it's like, don't touch and somebody it. Somebody sticks a chopstick in there and still messes with the Still tries knobs. to mess with it. So Waves right. rack needs the gate with a padlock. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we we call that we we call that Wave Central and a license. Um, there you go. Yeah. So, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying so you can't steal it. I'm saying so you can't touch the knobs. Can't do with the knobs. It's actually so we have we actually have our own live console called uh, LV1, and one of the things that we designed LV1 one was for churches. It's a 64 channel virtual touchscreen console. And one of the main feature requests for broadcast and for, for House of Worship live sound was we want the ability to password lock it so all they can do is touch the faders. So right. yeah. we yeah. put that cool. ability in. It's, it's hard to do that in a studio, though, because it's, uh, you know, it's not all us. That's so right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That reminds me, can I go on another tangent? And I'll keep it short. I worked, I worked in, a, in a giant mega church in Delaware, in my early days out of college, trying to find gigs and audio, they had a recording studio where I was working and setting up the studio, and then there was a live side. And I walked into the live uh, front of house thing, and the guy running the thing had a three-ring binder. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, oh, uh, well, every song I have to do what's in the binder. I said, really? He said, yeah. He's like, and I looked at the EQ, and it had a disco smile on the, on the graphic, right? And I said, oh, how'd you come up with that EQ? Well, that's the pastor's setting. Huh? Oh, Smile. okay. Now I understand how things run around here. Yeah, I was gone in about six months. <laughs> uh, I couldn't. I didn't stick around. But I was like, okay, that's the way things run here. I'm out of here. <laughs> so if you go to waves.com forward slash studio rack, S T U D I O R A C K, um, if you've got Waves plugin, you can download this, add it to your Wave Central, and any plugins you have will show up in it and. Uh, we actually now, as part of the you know the approach to the pandemic, is I run and manage weekly webinars, one-on-one -on -one and small Zoom class webinars on how to use things like Studio Rack um, that are all part of the website, so that people can actually ask live questions on how do I use this and how do I set this up and how do I. But I mean, as far as radio goes and post-production goes, Studio Rack is kind of like a gem that not enough people are talking about because it's free. You guys used to have the rack like way back in like Nubus. You could basically run your whole Nubus system as a bunch of like just a big DSP farm. Like Yeah, um, so like that was the that was the Waves Max rack. And it's, what's interesting is that technology turned into our consumer division. So, you know, our consumer division in Waves is actually bigger than the pro side. We're in pretty much half the world's laptops, TVs, 
smartphones, Fitbits, and everything else. So, um, you guys gonna like mess with an election? <laughs> uh, no, we try. We tra- I don't know about you. I mean, I'm so I, this is for the. Uh, uh, I I am an American citizen now, so I can say the fellow Americans. I am sick to death of hearing about the election at this point <laughs> sure. in time in my life. So uh, listen, Sorry. while we're on requests and you're talking about Wave Central, can I make one quick one, or can I maybe get your feedback on one um, as to why sure, it goes go this it. way? I probably like most people these days. Obviously, I have my home studio. And then a couple of weeks ago, it was school holidays. I grabbed the laptop and um, and deauthorized my computer here and authorized everything on my laptop, blah, blah, blah. But it occurred to me mm-hmm. when I was setting up the laptop where we were staying for the week that had I forgotten to deauthorize my computer here, I would have been screwed. But- well, actually, no, you wouldn't have been. Oh, okay. Uh, so so that, that was this was my question. Now in the Waves update plan, if you, and, and this is, and, and Robbo, this is actually one of the things that you would get as a benefit out of the Waves update plan is what the Waves update plan now gives I you two versions. Yeah. Two versions of every license you have. So uh, um, for those people who do have, like, say, for example, I have, I'm sitting in a, in a recording studio here in Miami, Florida, and I have... Uh, a Mac and a PC, and they're both running on two completely different systems. One's on an HDX system and one's not. So I don't want to have to kind of like move my waves around. So uh, I have two completely different licenses that are part of the same waves update plan. Right, okay. Because yes, I work for waves, but I pay for my own tools when I'm working outside of waves. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, part of the waves update plan is you get two, you, you get two versions of the license. Uh- Okay, there you go. That was interesting because I actually bought some stuff uh, just recently and um, part of the, that sale was you get the two licenses. Uh, yeah, so I yeah. did the same thing. So I've got that, whatever the plug-in, I can't even think what I, I bought now. I did have an issue, I must admit, but the, uh, the service was fine from Waves and they actually set up my PC for me. I have to be. I have to be honest. I'm going to wave my own our own flag on this. Our tech support are top-notch. Um and one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is, I mean, yes, we're a, we're a big company, but we're not that big. But we have 22 hours a day round the clock tech support. And that's pretty much worldwide. So uh, it's not yeah, bad. And it's very good. That's now, great. how do you see the future of plugins? Where do you see it all going? Um, Studio Rack is a fairly good sign as far as I'm concerned about where things are going. Is like uh, I, I don't think that the plugin is going away. I think what's going to happen is it's going to get more intuitive. I think everything is going to be more look-ahead. Like, I mean, we've already got look-ahead plugins. Like the, L, the L2 was a look-ahead. It was one of the first look-ahead limiters. Um, I think plugins are going to start making a few more decisions and giving you the opportunity to use those decisions on how the plugins and the DAWs of the world see the the frequencies that you're punching into them and how uh, and how it gets mixed out. What I don't think is going to happen is I don't think that the technology is going to replace talent. Um, I think talent is still going to be something that's very, very much in demand. Oh, damn it, I know I'm people screwed. are saying, oh my God, you know, right, well, so am I. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's, it's like every time we do masterclasses, there's nearly always the conversation of, you know, uh, one day these plugins are going to take away our job. I don't think they will. I think these plugins and the technology are making lives easier. 
um, especially as budgets grow smaller, they make things faster to do so you don't have to spend quite as much time on a job that isn't making you as much money as it was five years ago. Um, I think I think that technology is just going to get better. It's funny. I just I know we're going to wrap this up, but just quickly, just an, an observation that I, I do another podcast purely on imaging with a couple of guys out of the UK, and it's it's funny that you know in in some areas of of particularly my industry, stuff like your one knob series, for example, is sort of poo pooed. It's interesting it to me be. that in, in the right hands and when used in the right place and at the right time, A, it can save you a shitload of time, but B, it can also be just as effective as spending three hours getting the same sound. Well, this is one of the things that, that comes up a lot when it comes to the signature series, like the Jack Joseph Puig series or the Tony Maserati or the Eddie Kramer ones. Eddie Kramer is one of my best friends and people are like, oh, I wouldn't use that plugin because it's for amateurs. No, Eddie uses those plugins on his gear. Tony Maserati uses his own plugins. Andrew Sheps uses his own plugins. Greg Wells, who mixed Adele, uses his own plugins. It's like these plugins, if they are used the right way, save you time and give you a really good sound. They are not. It, it's like there should never be this perception that a plugin is a cheat because it's easy. If it gives you a decent sound, then go for it. It's like uh, um, it was a masterclass I gave probably about a year and a half ago, where some it was and it was for post production people in in Thailand. And one of the questions came up was, you know, I feel like sometimes my my sessions don't look busy enough. And and <laughs> pardon my French, I was like. How the fuck do you think anybody is going to know that? At what point is somebody going to listen to your radio promo on the radio and go, holy shit, his Pro Tools session probably yes. looked really bad. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, but at the same point, it's like nobody's going to listen to something and go, oh, I bet the plugin he used for that was only one knob. This um, white bread doesn't have enough ingredients. That's right. I right. wish it had so, ingredients that was like... 75 ingredients. <laughs> right. The bottom line on this one, Robbo, is I think people think, uh, you're right, I think people think way too much on it. As far as I'm concerned, if a OneNob plugin called OneNob Brighter makes something brighter and that's what you needed and it takes away two hours of other digging yourself into a hole, then, then you are way ahead of the pack. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I can't tell you how many times when I've been in a mad screaming rush or just didn't have the inclination to sit and fart ass around that Butch Vig Vocals has saved my ass. It's a great yeah, plugin. Butch, he's, and he's just such a lovely guy too. Um, and, and you know, this thing is interesting. It's completely irrelevant. But the, the whole look and feel of the artist signature plugins is based on a huge questionnaire that we do with the artists about the things that they love. And one of Butch Vig's favorite things is steampunk. So Butch Fig Vocals is nothing but steampunk. It's cogs and wheels, and they all move when you you touch something. And the amount of people who are like, holy shit, it sounds great, but oh, my God, that cog moves when I move it. Um, so the look of things actually inspire people to get a better sound sometimes. It's, it's, it's a weird one. Well, I have to say, uh, when we were discussing, when Andrew and I were discussing the subjects we would be talking about today and we got on to, oh yeah, Gomez is coming on to talk about Waves 12. Yeah, that should take about 15 or 20 minutes. We are now <laughs> pushing two hours on this one. So we should probably get the hell out of here. And you still haven't asked me the question of, uh, about the, the female vocal. Well, that's, that's coming up. Okay. Beautiful. 
This show was mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging, edit by Andrew Peters, using Rode microphones and Source Connect Now, tech support from George the Tech Whittem, and supported by Harlan Hogan's VoiceOverEssentials.com, the home of the Portaboot Pro. Yeah.